Hi, Kevin Murphy here. You're listening to Conversations with Kevin, a show about innovation, creativity, product and purpose. It contains all the ingredients that make up what Kevin Murphy is and what we stand for. So I'm Kevin Murphy and this is Conversations with Kevin. Hi, this is Conversations with Kevin. I'm Nathan Gorman, Headmaster for Kevin Murphy, and I have a very special guest here today, Tim Abney, who is our Global Director of Education Development. Hi, Tim. Hi, Nathan. Look, Tim, I I actually grabbed you quite early in the morning, or at least it's very early in (laughs) Australia, because you've just completed a Facebook Live that was based on focusing your attention and and setting your intentions and and the traction was great. Would you like to tell me a little bit about that? Well, yes, you're right, Nathan. I just finished it, uh, I think 45 minutes ago. It was um, it was a great turnout first and foremost. And, and the reason I wanted to do it is because I, I know, especially during a time like this, a couple of the things that, that probably tend to go by the wayside is, is not really focusing what you're paying attention to and not really making the time to set your intentions for the day, which tends to, I think, make a situation where we all kind of spiral out of control. Well, you know, Kevin has a great word he uses. He says, I feel all discombobulated at the moment. And, <laughs> and, and I think that's exactly what you're saying sometimes when you're a little bit all over the place. But of course, you know, we're dealing with coronavirus in our jobs right now. We're used to being quite mobile and being on the road. So, I think that, you know, having those tips to actually help you every day, because I don't know about you, Tim, but I'm finding it hard to actually stay focused throughout the day, throughout the workday, because I have so many emails and things coming in. Agreed. I think, you know, for me, I was happy to share this on the Facebook Live because I just wanted to approach the conversation from a very raw and transparent standpoint. Um, And I shared with, with everyone watching that, Uh, Me, especially these days, because, you know, Nathan, we're used to being on a plane somewhere else quite a lot of the time. And now um, I don't I don't have the luxury. I'm very envious of a lot of people during this time because they probably have children or they have a spouse or a partner. And I am literally just in my house all by myself. And as much as Mm -hmm. I love myself, five weeks alone is pushing it. Well, I can understand that. I mean, yes, I have a partner, but he's kind of annoying a lot of the time anyway. <laughs> but no, no, that's that that that's a big case in point. And I actually find at this time, um, even if you have the best laid plans um, to, to set your day out, you actually need to keep a bit of room to react to things as well. So what would you say about that? I think you're right. Creating creating a plan is always going to be the best place to start. But I, it's also important to realize that most often the plan is not going to go how you want it to go. And you need to create space for that to be okay. The plan mm-hmm. can go off track. But as long as you have a solid plan to work from, and I've found that if I have that, if I feel like I'm getting a little out of control, I can go back to the plan and and recenter myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, in in my life at the moment, of course, I've had to shut down a big salon. I know. Uh, and so, actually, attending your you know your KMTV or your Facebook Live this morning actually helped me think about how I can focus my intention on that. 
Um, and that's like the longest introduction in the world, which is great between Tim and I, because uh, <laughs> listeners, Tim and I are actually very good friends as well. So indeed, <laughs> one of the things that I was very surprised to hear you talk about, and you've spoken to me about your brother personally as yes. friends over the years, but I, I was very um, interested to hear you go live about the story of your brother. So do you want to talk about that for a little minute? Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I think it was just time. I remember, Nathan, when, when you and I first started talking about it, you were the one who gave me a book called Chasing the Scream, which really helped me to to dive in and understand what drug addiction looks like from the actual person who is suffering the addiction. So that mm. helped me start to get to a place where I was like, okay, I'm I'm now 42 years old. It's probably a good as time as any to make peace with this and find yeah. not only find where is the lesson, but find where is the gift in that? And I did find a very nice gift, which mm. was, I, I'm not saying drugs are good or bad. That is not my place. I think, but for me, my brother, what he showed me is, is from his personal experience and his personal challenges. It was the main reason I never decided to really experiment with drugs. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think that, you know, there's a, a fairly strong strain of um, substance abuse in my family and indeed a lot of other people's families. But I think there's a big difference between having sympathy for someone, oh, you're a drug addict, oh, I'm sympathetic to that, and having empathy because all the research shows that you don't reach out for drugs unless there's something you know, and I don't want to say, unless there's something that gives you that need and it's not weakness, it's actually brain chemistry. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. So for me, it was um, when I started to really, really dive into it and figure out, okay, again, what is the lesson and what is the gift? I was, I was able to, uh, I guess, essentially transition out of, out of a lot of the mindsets that I held as I was growing mm. up and it's been very liberating. So I was happy to share it. And that's right. And it's interesting case in point because you both had exactly the same childhood. So, exactly. you know, if, if you look at that. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, um, without being condescending, proud of you for, for getting to that with that. And I think that, you know, um, listeners might think we're going a bit off track with that, but actually it's not. It's completely uh, core to who Tim is. I can tell you that. Yes. <laughs> um, his childhood, just like all of our childhoods, are core to who we are. Well, I'd say, Nathan, you you know me better than most. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You're getting more <laughs> transparent. So um, you spoke a little bit about, you know, deeper Deepak Chopra is obviously one of the things that you like, but you were you were talking about um, danger or truth resonating. What did you mean by that? Well, I think, I guess just to dive into that a little bit deeper, I know, Nathan, you've had those moments where literally it's almost like either the hair stands up on your arms or it stands up on the back of your neck and it's not necessarily literal, but you get that feeling when you could be let's say having a fight or flight response um, because you might be in a situation that could be potentially dangerous. So that's one kind of physical reaction. But I've mm -hmm. also experienced a lot of times when I read something that, that resonates with me so strongly that I can't argue with it. That's when I have those moments of the hair standing up, like mm. oh, this is something you should pay attention to because it's perfect for your life. 
Mm. Well, you know, Tim, that's art, actually. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's art. That's, that's um, you know, humans since we were sitting around the, the campfire, you know, singing songs and tales of our ancestors. Yeah. I mean, that's what that comes from. It's just packaged up in a more modern format. Some people choose to have headphones in their ears and listen to a podcast like this that, that actually true. leads them to that. And I think that that's... Yeah. That's a really good point. So what do you mean about universal law? Because you, you were talking about that a fair bit. I was. So it, it was first we, I gave the example of, you know, we have certain, I guess you would call them laws of nature or or physical laws, which like the law of gravity, for example, there is, there's no mm-hmm. point in arguing with it. It just is. And the proof of that is we're not just floating around in the atmosphere. We're very grounded physically. Yeah. So I was making the connection for for everyone that was listening that there are also, in my strong belief, very universal laws that just operate and keep everything in order. And I don't really see the point in arguing with those either because they Hmm. just are. But a lot of people do, don't they? They do. and, And that's okay. I mean, you have to find your own way to connect with whatever resonates with you. I think that's the Mm. most important thing. I mean, it's that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's about um, accepting things uh, and, and relaxing into them, really. I I think that that's, you know, and, and that can be difficult at different points in your life when you've got a lot of clutter in your mind that you can't navigate and things like that. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a great kind of, um, intention to set that there are things that I can't change. You know, we were, we were talking about that last night when we were, when we were filming a podcast with Kevin and uh, it's, it's such a, I guess, a would you call that a cliche statement or it's a well-known statement that change is the only constant, but I don't think a lot of us, including myself for a long time, really dive into what that means is mm. we are always going to experience change. That's good, bad, indifferent. So we might as well accept the fact that change is going to only be the constant thing in our life. Mm, it's true. Um, my uncle, who was very important to me, lived in Portugal all these years, used to say to me, well, you can't change change and it's constant. And really, all you need to do is live quite frugally, have quite a humble life and, you know, and it's and that'll help you kind of focus on all of that, which is, which is true. So tell me a bit about the law of attention. Um, And, you know, I'm interested in this one because, you know, at different periods in my life, I had uh, anxiety issues that I had to deal with. And one of the ways that I actually managed to, you know, apart from using cognitive therapy and gaining tools, which is all part of growing up, um, and don't ever be scared to reach out for help if you need it, um, listeners. Um, But really... I think the law of attention is uh, a force for evil and a force for good because, you know, at times when I was quite anxious, it was all those thoughts of am I worthy running through my head? Do I deserve this? Am I a fraud? Like all of that. Or And mm-hmm. if you pray into your anxiety, it actually grows. But if you actually admit I'm anxious or if you actually you take away the power and yes. so I want you to chat a little bit about what you mean by the law of attention or what you were meaning there. So I think a lot of people are very familiar with one of the other universal laws, and we've all read books about it, seen movies about it, the law of attraction and how that works. Mm-hmm. And there was a big book written about it called The Secret. 
Some She's of the other... actually a friend of Kevin's. Did you know I that? Know. I did know yeah. that. I remember that Rhonda, from the very, very first story. Rhonda Byrne, yeah. Yes. So I remember that from some of the very first stories when the brand started that they were really good friends. Hmm. The other universal laws, and there are quite a few, Nath, um, but the law of attention for me, and it does go hand in hand with the law of intention, but just like what you said that you you notice that you have anxiety about something but with the law of attention the way it works you're right it doesn't recognize good bad indifferent it is just going to give you a response directly proportionate to the amount of attention you pay to something well and, and now i'm picking up on what you mean so basically you know you're saying that uh, because someone, if you're anxious or if you're upset about something, you're focusing on that. So the physiological response from your body is to manifest that. Absolutely. I mean, and that's manifest a given. more anxiety. Yeah. 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 I, I, can, I can see that. And in some ways I feel sorry for that. Probably I was about 28 or 30. I feel quite sorry for that guy, to tell you the truth, that he didn't really know how to get through that. But he did in the end. So that's all that matters really. Yeah. I, I find that really interesting, the whole law of attention uh, thing, Tim. And, and you were, you know, quoting some figures about 20% and you had a quote from Oprah this morning. Like, what were you talking about there about law of attention? Yeah. So the, the way the law of attention works is, and I want to preface this by saying the it doesn't, it's not, I guess the word is intuitive to, or it's not judgmental that it would say, okay, this is bad. This is good. It will just give you a direct proportionate response based on the amount of attention you pay something. So, mm. for example, if I pay 20% attention to something, I will get a 20% response from the universe in that sense, the law of attraction. So with that well, said, I think that's what you put in. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. so with that said, it, it really paints a clear picture that, that again, no good or bad, but there could be some very negative kind of impacts from putting something under the microscope or there could be mm. positive impacts from putting something under the microscope how much to uh, basically how much attention do you want to pay to or how much attention do you want to give to something that you either do or do not want in your life and i do think oprah mm. said that best the time comes in your life where the hardest lesson we all have to learn sometimes is which bridges am i going to continue to cross and which bridges am I going to decide to burn? Mm, mm. Yeah. Interesting. That's something that I particularly have, um, I, I would say, some issues with in my life because sometimes you have to hurt people to burn a bridge, and, and I'm not particularly good at that. Well, a bridge could signify um, a relationship you have with a person or a thing. It doesn't mm. always have to be a person. But let's say, for example, okay, uh, I'm tired of feeling sluggish in the morning. Well, I know what's causing that. I might be eating too many Oreos at night or whatever. <laughs> I can make a decision, okay, is this a bridge I want to continue crossing over daily or is this something that I should really reassess and decide, okay, that bridge can go? No, that's a good metaphor. I like that. Very good. Um, so... You know, what about, because you were talking about driving and driving actually is something that is interesting. Um, it's a bit like doing hair for hairdressers out there. Yeah. It, because what you actually do is you learn the rules, you learn everything and you need to focus on driving, but you don't need to consciously focus in the way you think, do you? Um, 
Uh, I honestly, Nathan, I wouldn't know. I think driving for all of us has become such a a secondhand nature that you your mm, mind is actually what I mean. paying attention, but you don't know that you're actually yes. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that validates your point about like if you set the right intentions, then actually you start to get there quite naturally. You don't actually have to continually set intentions because that sounds like a, a whole other job almost, doesn't it? You well, that's what, I was, that's what I was talking about, and you said it perfectly when you're talking about hairdressing. That's essentially the way the law of attention works is if you put it into practice, eventually it is going to become second nature, and you no mm. longer literally have to think about it. You're just mm. doing it. Mm. And you spoke about pain as well. I mean, a lot of people have problems with chronic pain. We know that the body changes um, physiologically in, in relation to pain. And, and that's a very interesting point because if you're trapped in a loop of slight anxiety and pain, you're actually kind of manifesting pain. And that's not to, I, I say that with empathy for people that are, that are actually there. Mm -hmm. So I was reading something not too long ago. It wasn't really like a, it wasn't like a medical journal or anything like that, but they were talking about anxiety. And one of the, one of the reasons they, they tell you to essentially calm yourself down by taking deep breaths is they're just wanting you to refocus your attention, take mm. the attention away from the thing that you do not want. Mm. And chances are it's going to diminish. Well, you know, it, it's an interesting case in point because we're actually animals. We are biological beings and, and things like, calming yourself and breathing correctly i mean they're not they're not said by accident they actually spark just like anxiety can spark a physiological response which is fight or flight breathing deeply and meditation mm. can actually spark a physiological response in in the other way you know, as Nathan, well. i don't i don't actually know if you know this about me but when i first started educating for kevin murphy a long time ago and I was still living in Virginia, I remember driving one morning from Virginia. I was driving up to Baltimore and uh, it was raining a lot and the car in front of me cut me off and I ended up spinning and hydroplaning and totaling the car into a cement pylon. I was mm. completely fine physically, but shortly after I started experiencing panic or anxiety attacks, especially as it related to being in a car or even thinking about driving, and of course, again, no good or bad, they, they did their job. The doctors, they prescribed medication. But what I noticed over time is um, if I could just find a way when it was starting to happen and I started to recognize the signals, if I could pretty instantly refocus my attention, the symptoms would, would literally subside. Mm. Mm. And it's a calming thing. It's not like I must do this. I mean, right. you know, those, those in the Kevin Murphy team know that I'm quite famous for not loving <laughs> driving through tunnels. <laughs> I'm not great in a tunnel. And that actually goes back to a panic attack in my 20s. Um, and, you know, for a long time, it's not like, oh, I must drive through this tunnel because then you drive through the tunnel and you feel anxious. It's about going, I'll be fine when I drive through this tunnel. And now exactly. I have no no problems with that. You know, that, exactly. it's really interesting. So the law of attention then, let's shift gears because we've spoken a lot about anxiety and we've spoken a lot about things like that. The law of attention is a really positive thing. So let's have a talk about that. Absolutely. So so again, going back to the the idea or the belief that 
the law of attention is not, um, I don't think the right word is intelligent, but it makes no distinction between what is a negative and what is a positive. Mm. However, mm. Um, so many publications have shown, and I've even experienced this in my life, that when I am focused or attentive on something that is positive, it tends to have a high, a lot higher energy. And, yeah. and it's easier to focus on in a sense. I find that if I'm focusing on something negative, it takes a lot more of my physical energy. Whereas focusing on something positive, essentially dreaming and wishing and hoping, mm. it's, it's just got a much more powerful charge to it. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think it would literally burn more calories to be sitting there worried about something. Yes. Um, and, and so how do you think that listeners in the Kevin Murphy network could actually harness the law of attention as they're actually, you know, I mean, let's, let's say that a lot of people have had to close their salons. I mean, with countries like Sweden where they're still open, but social distancing in Australia, it's right. a voluntary close or a voluntary open. Mm -hmm. um, although I made the decision to close, but how, what's your advice for people for, for the law of attention as we build towards a very positive reopen? Okay. Great question, Nathan. So uh, obviously we, we, none of us saw this coming, so it has caught all of us by surprise, but I still do think even though salons are closing, the, the message of hope in that is you can still use the power of your attention to focus on what you want to happen after this, when life returns mm. to normal. So if you find yourself, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole of this happened, this happened, this happened, you said it in the very beginning, Nathan, it, change is going to be constant. So when I find myself like that, I find a way to ask, okay, can I change this? And if I cannot, what can I focus my attention on that's going to bring a positive result after? Mm, yeah, interesting. And I agree with that. Like for me, this time is about taking stock in the salon. And, you know, I always, um, you know how busy we are, Tim. Yes. I always very famously had this thought in my head that when I have time, I'm going to deal with all of this as it pertains to my salon. Right. But guess what? I've got time. I've actually yes. got time. To, to deal with that and to get it right. And I, I think, you know, I know we revisited this in other um, podcasts, but I think it'd be naive of us to think that the client won't change because of that, don't you? So how do you think a stylist could use the law of attention and intention to actually help clients navigate this time and and upon their return to the salon? I know that's a big question. You can unpack it bit by bit, but <laughs> how can they actually use that, do you think? Um, I, I will unpack it bit by bit. I think one of the best things that that our community of stylists can be doing at this time is is, number one, finding a way to connect with their clients. Make sure mm -hmm. they're okay. Check in on them on a regular basis. Um, make sure they have everything they need. The other part of this, though, is um, when it comes to what you're paying attention to, like I said, Nathan, you know I'm a teacher at heart and I love learning stuff to be able to share it with other people. I would I would encourage stylists, if, if they're learning these skills, you know, find a way to share that with your clients so that they're making sure they're putting the attention on things that they actually want in their life rather than the things mm. that they do not. 
Mm. And and maybe I mean it's as simple as as it's not really talking about coronavirus in in the return to the salons. I mean, no. I think it's one thing to dismiss it, but it's another to engage it all the time. You know. Well, I think also with with that comes acceptance. So when life mm. returns to the salon, I can imagine there will be. I mean, Nathan, you know this. There are going to be probably different kind of. Um, regulations with how many mm-hmm. people in the salon and, and what are the safety mm-hmm. regulations. So so with that, again, is that something that I can change? And if the answer no. is no, I might as well accept it and find the positive in it. You know, the funny thing is like the parents are at home homeschooling in Australia and stuff like that, like going to the hair, get a haircut is actually going to be a very calming thing. But I'll put a caveat over that and say that safety is the first thing. And and I don't mean that we need to, of course, we need to address physical safety issues around coronavirus, but we need to make clients intangibly and, and to make them actually feel safe to return to the salon, because there will be a little bit of anxiety around that, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. So, so with that, you know, in, in preparation for returning to business as usual or as much as it can be, um, what are we going to be communicating with our clients that to make them not have that anxiety? Like, this is how we're prepared. Please come mm. back into the salon. We've got you covered. Mm. Mm. And just so you know, listeners, we're putting together a whole package um, at Kevin Murphy planning a return to the salon. I mean, we're using the term soft opening at this point because, um, Tim, we don't believe that it'll just be like open the doors and life as usual, do we? Agreed. No. And I, when you were telling me about some of the stuff that we have in the works to, to you know, safeguard and, and protect um, clients when they return to the salon, I think it is just another example of such a, a fantastic effort of community on the part of Kevin Murphy. And that's what we're here for is to always be by your side. Mm. I think that in your uh, Facebook Live this morning, you used a metaphor of um, a seed and a plant growing. And I think that this might fit here quite well because I know that um, some of our listeners may feel a bit of anxiety about actually regrowing their salon. Yeah. And I think that's where, and the reason I use that analogy is we were talking about the power of attention then as well. Um, The reason I wanted to use that is because it's something that everyone can relate to. They can truly visualize it. Um, And, and it was talk, we were talking about like, if I would like to plant something and, and have it become this big, beautiful flower, of course, I'm going to plant it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to make sure it has everything that it needs, but I'm not, (laughs) going to go outside and dig up the seeds every day to make sure they're Mm. okay. So I think with Mm. salons, when we return to business, that connects there by saying, make your plan, do everything you can based on what you have, and just envision that this is going to be successful. And if you Mm. pay attention to the success, that's how this works. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, Tim, I'm quite famous for saying when there's anything neat that needs to be born in life, it's going to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Yes. And, you know, I think the end is uh, further off than you think, but I don't think it's, um, I don't think the middle will be bad. I, I actually believe that we're giving a lot of opportunities to reboot our industry, to reboot our minds, to reboot ourselves uh, and I see the um, the possibilities in this and, you know, don't you? I do too. I, I see the possibilities and, and, you know, Nathan, like we've talked many times, that's 
that's one of the reasons I don't really like to engage with too much news because for me, okay, mm. this pandemic has already happened. It actually exists. So mm. I'm not going to be able to change that. All I can change mm. is my reaction to the circumstances. Mm. I think I have that naturally, actually. I yes, don't you do. worry about you do. things I can't change. It's quite right. funny. But I must say it was an interesting summer in Australia because we started with bushfires. So I was yeah. like, you know, I mean, literally wildlife dying and literally like the horrendous. And it was all about climate change. And then we're into a pandemic. But, you know, I'm fine. I mean, right. I, I, I have sadness around what's happened but i'm fine i mean i think secretly it's it's you know there's something about focusing and fighting that that is is something good for you i agree and i mean again though sadness i don't mean that in an aggressive yeah. way yeah no, but i sadness and unsurety it is a completely normal emotion during to have during something like this um, but even with that, accept that it is what it is and, mm. and let's all find a different way to stand, find mm. a different way to approach this. That's right. And so intention and attention for our listeners, you say they're the perfect power couple. So what does that mean? Okay. They're the perfect power couple because the way the law of intention works and, and what intention is, is you are deciding what the, what you want the trajectory of your life to be. So let's say, okay, I set my intention, Nathan, I am going to have the most successful salon when this is all over. That's my intention. Mm. I then couple that with the power of my attention. Now that I know where I want to end up, I am going to focus all of my attention on that goal. And they work hand in hand to give you the most impactful result. Mm, that's great. And yeah. so for our listeners, Kim, as we kind of draw to a close, um, let's just sum up the law of intention again, because you said it doesn't mean you need, you try to control everything. So just give me that in a, a short paragraph. Oh, okay. A short paragraph. So the law of intention, it's, it's, it's first and foremost, it's more than your wants, wishes, hopes, and dreams. It's much more than that. It's essentially you saying, this is what I want my life to be. This is the path I want it to travel. And I am going to do everything I can to make sure I end up at that destination. Mm. Um, that's that's essentially what the law of intention is. Mm, great. And what are some quick tips that, that our listeners can kind of implement now straight away? Do you have any cheat cards here? <laughs> I do. I, I shared a few on the on the Facebook live channel. You know, for me, I actually have... I have a personal journal um, that I read from every morning that's got some things that I just use to to kind of set my mindset for the day. And one of those things in the journal is literally, these are my intentions. This is the list. And I read that every day to make sure I am still on track. I also have what I call, it's not a physical diagram, but it's more of a mental kind of diagram where it starts with me. I have things on the outer circle of me that I will definitely make time to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And then the things on the outer circle of that, like for me, I love junk food sometimes. I love to mm. be a couch potato. Mm -hmm. But if I'm spending too much time with that, like worry and fear and doubt, I mm. find a way to travel back to the center of the circle to make mm. sure I'm focusing all of the attention on me and what mm -hmm. my intentions are. 
Mm, I think that's true. I think it's a really good point. Tim, that's been an amazing candid chat on conversations with Kevin about focusing your attention and your intentions. And I I hope that our listeners actually get a lot from it. Tim, you are quite incomparable. We love your Tim Talks. Um, Same to you, Nathan. (laughs) The Kevin Murphy Network loves you. So thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm Nathan Gorman and this is our product spotlight. Today I'd like to actually talk about Eversmooth, but first I'm going to introduce Kate Reed, Design Director for Colourme and Wade Blackford, Design Director for Styling. Hi guys. Hi, great to be here, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Thanks. So, you know, Eversmooth is a very exciting product. We've launched it just recently and we make a whole lot of claims about it. And I really want to kind of dive deeply into what Eversmooth is. But I hear, Wade, some very amazing things about Eversmooth. But what is it exactly? Um, Basically, it's a heat activated um, spray that you can use to do like really amazing blow dries on your hair. It'll actually do a lot of different things. So it'll smooth out the, the hair shaft itself. Um, it'll add volume to the hair. It creates like a frizz free finish, but it does all this without actually feeling like you have any product on the hair at all. So it's a pretty amazing product in the way that it actually is able to hold a style in place. But it actually, when you feel the hair, it doesn't feel like you've got any any product in your hair at all. There's no residue. Um, there's no sort of. It doesn't have any stickiness to it or anything like that. Um, and it also helps to helps to um, protect sort of vulnerable and damaged hair as well. I'm a huge fan of Eversmooth. I have frizzy, wiry, coarse hair. And recently, we were working up in Brisbane, and the humidity was about. I felt like about 80%, and it was about 27 degrees every day, and it was had afternoon pour pouring down in the afternoon and you know my hair my blow dry lasted so well where normally in that type of climate I would need to blow dry my hair every day but it still sat beautifully. Well, that's great and and tell me Wade will it actually weigh hair down does it make hair feel heavy or greasy or? No it doesn't actually weigh the hair down as I said before it's like super lightweight it's also anti-static, so it keeps that volume in your hair at all times. Um, and it also has technology that helps to restore the hair by assisting to, I guess, um, assisting to help with split ends and cuticle damage as well. So it's not only going to help to like appear, like fix the appearance of your hair, but it also going to help to cut down things like blow drying time. Um, and you are able to use other products with it as well where you don't have to just use it by itself. It doesn't weigh the hair down at all. It's very lightweight. Can you tell me about some of the key ingredients in Eversmooth? So one of our new ingredients that we have at the moment that we're really excited about is uh, the wood bark complex. So this complex is um, derived from Indigenous Australian plants um, and they've been chosen for their high content of um, antioxidants. So they behave a bit like a um, AHA or uh, alpha hydroxyl acid. So it's something that you see in skincare a lot. It helps to um, it helps with the hair's condition. And then we also have some really interesting polymers in there. So these heat activated polymers, they come from skincare technology and they're cross-linked polymers. So they form an invisible um, hydrophobic shield. Uh, And what this does, it actually enhances every strand. It protects the hair and it helps to lock in moisture while repelling um, moisture trying to get in from the outside that can cause frizz in the hair. So there's some really, some of the really interesting ones that we have in there. Great. So that really goes along with what Kate was saying about um, being being quite good in humidity, Kate. Do you have any more to say about that? 
No, it makes sense. And I always love the unique ingredients that the brand uses. It's incredible. So how do we actually use Eversmooth, Wade? So it's best used if you apply it to, say, freshly washed hair or towel-dried hair. Um, and then you can apply quite a bit of Eversmooth. So you can apply it liberally throughout the hair, as we said before. You're going to be really surprised about how how it doesn't weigh the hair down at all. Um, and it's going to help to smooth out the hair. So you can apply it to your towel-dried hair and then go ahead and style your hair as you like. And it's going to actually help with the longevity of the style as well. So Wade, I know that when I use it, I do spray it section by section as I'm working up the hair. And the question I get asked a lot is, do you have to apply much? Um, it will, as long as you're getting like an even amount across the hair, then it's going to do its job. Um, but this is one of those products where you can apply it fairly liberally and you're not going to really overuse it. It really is that lightweight that you can put, put quite a bit on and still blow dry the hair and it's still going to feel like you haven't really put any product in the hair. Great. Thank you, Kate and Wade. So that's Eversmooth, which is one of our newest additions to the Kevin Murphy Rage. And this has been a product spotlight. Welcome back to the second half of Conversations with Kevin. And now I have a special guest for you. His name's Massimo Morello, and he's a session master in the European network with Kevin Murphy. Massimo's headed up many fashion weeks around all of Europe and the world for us at Kevin Murphy. And he's also uh, based in Italy, which is sort of ground zero for what's going on right now. So hi, Massimo. How are you right now? Hi, Nathan. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me first. Um, so, yes, as you said, I think spot on. We are ground zero here. We started, you know, the quarantine, I think, uh, around Europe. We were the first country and we are still counting. We're still here. I think today is day 60, uh, 60 62, probably. So I'm, I'm kind of getting used to it now. <laughs> yes, right. So day 62, Massimo, that's like quite a lot of time <laughs> yes it is i was actually counting with my wife uh yesterday about how many days we've been in a lockdown like non-officially and officially it is about 62 days and so tell me um when did you realize because you're like me i mean you you travel even probably more than me around europe so one day you're traveling with the kevin murphy network what was the last job that you actually did the last job that I actually did, uh, let me think, I think I was in Poland. I had like three uh, trips very close to each other. One was Germany, UK and Poland. Uh, no, actually, sorry, my bad. My last uh, job was a Platinum Key audition in Rotterdam at our Kevin Murphy Academy. Okay. And so when did you get a hint that something was going on? Well, um, before the last trip, which it was planned and I was already thinking about to do it or not, because uh, I mean, the, uh, the alarm was already on here, uh, but you know, Holland was still uh, very open, let's say. So there was not any concern whatsoever. So we thought, okay, you know what? Here at the moment, they, uh, it seems like that we can still travel. So then I just decided to go, but I was already feeling that there's something was going on. Honestly, nobody have thought that this will be this big, that we will end up mm. in a pandemic. So like, you know, I think that, um, that, 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 is the, that is the biggest thing that nobody will ever imagine was, was imagined to end up like this. So basically yes. it was the week before we started the quarantine answering your question. 
And and so Massimo, I I know a little bit about you because I'm friends with you and we've been colleagues for over a decade. I do know that your father is a hairdresser and I know that your brother is also a hairdresser. So can you tell me what it looked like in Italy for them? Well, yes, you are absolutely right for everything that you said, that we are <laughs> friends more than colleagues. And I just want to say that in front of everyone, if I'm here, it's because Nathan Gorman uh, was... Uh, you know, the first person that introduced me to the brand uh, properly. And uh, he just uh, infused Kevin Murphy in my veins. And I'm still here. Mm. Thanks for, for on that day. No. So thank you again, Nathan. <laughs> thank um, you, Massimo. And then you were right. Yes, my uh, dad and my brother, they are hairdressers, still working, both of them. Um, so how did they look for them? So basically, they were keep going until they could basically they worked until they could possibly do that uh for obvious reason uh but then like when the government pulled out the um the order not to work then you know they had to adjust like we did so mm. basically they started to do um you know con uh how do you say consultants like basically to reaching out to clients and see if they needed anything and do like you know home delivery if they needed to do home delivery uh so they've been just basically trying to support the client as much as possible but um yeah basically there was not much that they could do apart from like just hope that this <laughs> were gonna end so they were not happy basically but you know mm, yeah and so what so they've been closed for a number of weeks now so what does the outlook look like in italy so they've been closed down from, um, I think, half March. So it's been already almost a month. And uh, it looks like that possibly they're going to start reopening on the 4th of May. Uh, but like when I say start to reopen, it means like one person per salon. They, they just talk about this. It's not uh, a rule yet, but they are talking about like one person only per salon. And everything needs to be sanitized every hour, and there is like a a few um, a few restrictions still. So even if they're gonna open the salon, they're not gonna be back in full capacity, you know. So mm. it seems like fourth of May would be the beginning of you know the the reopening, let's say, for hairdresser, which is like restaurant the last the last uh, um, the last businesses they're gonna open because obviously there is a gathering in those places. Well, in nightclubs, Massimo, um, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's actually uh, it's a case in point because we look at different countries around Europe. Sweden has decided not to close a lot of their uh, salons, uh, and different countries are at different stages. So, one of the best reasons to to speak to you right now is because wow. Italy is actually, you know, further ahead, if if I can use that term in this. Yeah, I mean. Uh, we've been obviously hitting uh, quite bad from um, from these, and uh, honestly, I think that our press has been sharing all the information, like you know, even the one that was unnecessary, for example, because all the um, all the people that get sick, yeah, that's one fact, but all the people that die, like you know, is not accurate the, the, that number because if you compare, like you know, uh, the, the the previous years, the number is not that different, so. Going back to, um, you know, the fact that you said that we started earlier, so you're looking at what's happening here in Italy, let's say. Um, we learn this on the way. So we are actually happy that other countries got the chance to possibly see 
uh, our mistakes and our success and base their decision on that. So I think that Italy is good to mm. take it as an example, but as it was the first one and we've been hit so bad because we have an older population, it's not probably the right, um, uh, I don't want to say the right example, but um, we started way earlier, as you said, and we mm. learn on the way. It's like growing you know, a child. <laughs> you learn day by day. It's not something that you, you know, that they give you uh, uh, um, an instruction book. So yeah, it's it's interesting, Massimo, because on our last podcast, um, which you wouldn't have heard yet, but Kevin actually uh, read a letter from one of our suppliers in uh, China, mm-hmm. and he was saying that please, it, it's actually something you need to be confident with the fact that you will recover from this and that life will continue to go on, as as we know that a lot of our suppliers in China are reopening right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's been proven and the numbers here has been very comforting for the last eight days. Like our curve is definitely going down. Like is uh, even yesterday, there was uh, some of the most affected part of Italy. They had zero new positive people. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Like there is, there is a good sign. And uh, based on what we have learned out of this situation, the virus is very aggressive and it's spread out quite fast, but is a weak virus, virus. So it means that it's reaching its peak on week number six, I think they said, and then it's actually dropping down dramatically. And then, hope, mm. you know, and then eventually picking up again, because like what, what we need to um, understand here is that this is not going away until there is, you know, a, a, a cure, let's say. So it's gonna, mm. they're, they're already talking about like, you know, the second wave. So mm. like, you know, I just, I don't want to throw panic, but like, you know, it, we have to start thinking that we have to coexist with this virus instead of fighting against it. You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it does because we coexist with a lot of viruses and, and, and really, um, Massimo, it's it's it is a, another virus. Um, interesting that that you should say that. I mean, it's it's been something that that people are people as they manage a reopen in their salons, um, and a reopen is something that's inevitable in salons. Um, and as you know, we're putting together a package of reboot and reopen at Kevin Murphy for all of our salon network. What advice would you have for people that have a little bit of fear as they get towards reopening? Fear about uh, the, the virus itself, you mean? Well, fear about reopening. And I mean, you could look at it from the point of view of the client or how has the client changed? What do you think people, because you're further along in this than us, how do you think people are going to react when they return to the salon? I think the human nature are not uh, welcoming changes that well, let's say. So we need to get used to changes. And that is, you know, part of our history. That's part of who we are as a species. I think that reopening, uh, like in everybody's mind, is going to be like, you know, they open the gate and everybody's going out and just going crazy. But like mm. that, that, that's in our dreamland. But it's not, it's not going to happen like that. So basically people they have to start to understand and coexist with the virus. So once they realized it, it was like the same when they, they told us, you have to stay home. So in mm. the beginning, 
nobody really understood what they meant. Like, you know, yes, you have to stay home, but, you know, I, I still need to go out and, and do grocery shopping. I still need to go out to buy, I don't know, uh, whatever. And people were still going out, even if they were not allowed to that. So we had to adjust to that uh, situation. Same will be when there's going to be a reopening. I think that in the beginning, the client will be um, eager to go to the salon, but skeptical because they are still feeling that there is this virus going around. But I think that once everybody realized that with the good precaution, we can you know, live with this. And once we realize as well that these, the number of these virus, they are actually, um, how can I say? You can you can um, you can juggle around. Let me just say that I know that there's been a lot of cases mm. globally, but uh, there is some indication that tells you that you know if you are a subject with previous condition like you know maybe diabetes or uh, respiratory issues, then you can probably be more um, let's say eligible to get the virus in a, in a bad form. If you are healthy. If you are, if you're having a good lifestyle, and you have your mask and your gloves, and you try not to, you know, hug and kiss people, then the fear will go away. So, bottom line, answering your question, I think that the client and everybody have to go through that step. To okay, from now on, I have to live with the virus. From now on, my life has changed to a level that I need to adjust, basically. And it mm. will take probably another week or something. But then, I, I think it will go back to what it was with, you know, with the mask between us, let's say. Mm. But that's an interesting point. I mean, you say it'll go back to what it was, but we'll all be changed, won't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as I said, like, you know, it will, be, it will go back to what it was, but with, with the, with being conscious that there is still a virus going around, there is still no cure for this virus, and there is still like, you know, you still need to be extra careful. Like before, mm. we were not careful. Before we were like, you know, uh, not taking care of washing our hands so many times during the day. We were not taking care of like, you know, when you cough, like try to, you know, cough between your, in your elbow or wearing a mask. Like in Asia, Asian um, cultures, they always wear the mask. And if you ask mm. them, uh, I asked like one of our uh, friends and keys, Joshua from, from Taipei, and I asked, so what is the reason why you guys have the mask? And they say for respect. We respect the people because if we have a cold, we don't want to get our call to our family or to our friends. So that's why we wear a mask. So, mm. like, you know, I think that that is a good example of how our life will and should change as well. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. And so, um, Massimo, fashion weeks are your thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. If it's my thing, I think I. Uh, I always been very interested in in, in the fashion weeks, um, and I've been basically specializing in that within Kevin Murphy. Um, so you can say that I, yes, I am involved in, in a few in a few shows every year, a lot actually. And so tell me, what you must have had quite a few things cancelled recently. So oh, yeah. what was that like? And let's walk our listeners through that like what what actually happened so what actually happened um i felt lucky right now that i got a chance to do at least one or two shows uh in the beginning of the year so uh i actually uh got very lucky that we did the um elite show in new york city so that was three weeks before the lockdown 
So that was a very good timing. That was that gave me a push to go through for for a few months. Um, then yes, you are absolutely correct. There has been a lot of shows uh, cancelled um, in Europe and globally. So they try to move the date to push the date for like further days. Uh, the first one that got cancelled it was in February, and they moved it to May because optimistically mm -hmm. they thought that that was going to you know be over. Obviously, it's not. So now that one is going to be um, the production decided to do it online, basically. So what they're going to do? Every designer is going to do their own collection and uh, via FaceTime, I guess, or like via uh, like you know a, an application like this one. They're going to mm. showcase the collection. So no hair, no makeup, no light, no photographer. Like So basically, is the Fashion Week 2.0. Uh, mm. And this is basically the best that they can do. Otherwise, the designer will find themselves that they work six months in the collection that they should present now. And they, they don't have time or and, you know uh, the right moment to present it. So every Fashion Week from now until from now, from February, until uh, I think that the last one that got cancelled to me, it was Barcelona Bridal that is right now pushed in uh, June. But I hardly mm. doubt that that is going to happen. So, but it's, it's at the moment, first week of June, it is um, Barcelona Bridal that they moved it there from, uh, from March. It's really interesting um, because like we're finding new ways to adapt. And so obviously at Kevin Murphy, you were the first, the first person that really uh, gave us that, like Massimo, I've got to tell you, like on the Friday night, I was sitting at home on Friday night and I, I, I clicked onto Facebook and I saw Massimo Morello is going live for Italy, for Kevin Murphy, Italy. And I was like, what the hell is Massimo doing? Like, why is he doing this? Like we at this stage knew about coronavirus, but we didn't really know about okay, our response to it. But by that stage, you'd been locked down for a number of weeks. And I believe the Italian distributor had um, actually reached out to you and asked you to do something. Would you talk about that? So basically, um, I, I, I take the coronavirus as a Netflix series. So just bear <laughs> with me. I'm going to explain to you what it is. It's like yeah. you can be in different episodes and each one of our country, they are in different episodes. So we are in Italy right now on the last part of the uh, last series. So basically we are towards the end. Some other country, they are like in the middle. Some other like, you know, they are, they just started. So basically when that happened, uh, Italy was locked down from, uh, I would say two, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And uh, I started to do the Kevin Murphy Italy because our lovely um, marketing manager for Italy, uh, Maria Grazia Carella, which is behind of all the live that I'm doing, uh, that we are doing, uh, at least in Italy. And uh, the first one that we did for Love Kevin Murphy as well, she was uh, involved, uh, you know, in helping us there. Um, so basically we had a phone call and we both realized that this, you know, we adjusted mm. to the change that I was talking about before. So it took mm. us like a week to realize, okay, this is not going away. We have to make a long-term plan. And distributors, need, yeah, and distributors need support. Our clients need support. 
our clients need to feel that we are here, like, you know, that we are not just, you know, turning the page and, okay, let's see, let's see each other in September. So basically, um, you know, there was this idea just to show some content online. And, and then we started. We did uh, that phone call. And basically, I, I said to Maria Grazia, let's do it tomorrow. Let's start tomorrow. Mm. So that week I did two. And mm. uh, I think that other countries were looking at what, I, what was happening in Italy. And I had to thank everybody that reached out to me, uh, especially in the early stages. I received so many messages from people from around mm. the world, like, you know, asking me and telling me that, that they, you know, they felt sad about Italy and so on. So thank well, you. Well, Massimo, I'll, I'll jump in there because from the outside looking in, um, it, it was actually one of those times in your life where you see something on the news and you think, oh, well, that's not going to happen here. Like, yeah. you know, and and it did and it has. And and so. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, is as I said before, something that you need to realise and adjust. It doesn't take like, you know, uh, overnight for you to realize that this is actually happening. It can happen to me. It's going to happen globally. This is the first thing, probably one of the few things that is actually united us as a nation, as like, you know, a planet. Mm. Because everybody mm. is involved in this. Everybody got these, these, uh, these issues. Um, mm. But going back to, I just finished up the, the conversation about when, when everything started and how it started. So basically, I did the first two uh, live on Kevin Murphy Italy. And we had our color master from um, color key from Italy, Michele Carlino. So we did both styling and color. And after the second one, I got uh, kind of a lot of messages from um, from friends and colleagues asking me if I was able to do that in English as well. So I knew mm -hmm. that Kevin Murphy, love Kevin Murphy, and Kevin Murphy globally, we were not doing this. So I reached out to. Uh, basically our marketing department and i say like mm. listen, I, well, I have this situation i am in a lockdown and i'm the only one and uh, like you know i can do podcasts for now i can do like these lives and i have people that would like to see that in english so do you have anything mm. planned and mm. basically i went on air like you know two days after with the first um one and then two days after with the second one that you saw a lot of Murphy. so that was the beginning of everything and then km yeah. You know, KMTV started to, um, you know, to 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 exist basically, and uh, now we. Well, have... I'll, yes, I'll, I'll I'll jump in and tell you from the other side. So you, that was the Friday night. Um, on the Sunday night, we actually realised that what was happening in Italy was going to happen to the whole world, and so you were absolutely the inspiration uh, behind a conference call we had quite famously the next day when we said, how are we going to respond to this? We're actually, we need to mobilise our educators and we need to mobilise them globally because it, we became clear that the rest of the world was was dealing with the same thing alongside with Italy and China and, and other countries like that. So for those who are listening, we need to know that that, that spark came from Massimo. He lit the fire. He lit the fire behind KMTV. Uh, on a previous podcast, we were actually speaking about uh, that call and, and how we had indeed mobilised everyone. And Massimo, can you tell me about any upcoming KMTV episodes you have? So basically, I have the pleasure to go back to Kevin Murphy TV tomorrow night. I'm doing a ponytail class. Um, so tomorrow at my 9 p.m., 
which is uh, I think the morning for you and the morning for, no the morning for oh you let's ready. not even yeah. get into okay. time zones. <laughs> so tomorrow I'm actually back after after a long time actually after more than a month because I physically didn't even do one episode on Kevin Murphy TV yet but um, it was just great to see how it grew so fast and how everybody was like you know just sharing amazing content because everything when i was talking about before that we need to adjust this is another thing that we need to adjust because we are obviously not using our content uh, our like global content so each one of us is right now kind of forced to create mm. even more than before so i mm -hmm. i find that this is a great thing this is like you know in italy we have a saying that when the water touches your butt you start learning how to swim so like <laughs> basically this is uh, this is what's happening right now so we are actually force is a bad word but like we are more and more inspired to work and plus we have mm. the time and we are nice mm. and relaxed at home to do that so uh, I'm, I'm back tomorrow, basic bottom line, just to answer your question. Sorry. I yeah, it's, it's great. And for those listeners, you'll see a lot more of Massimo coming up on KMTV over the next few months. Um, and you'll see recordings of previous KMTVs. The interesting thing about how that's all gone is, um, I like to think of this as having a beginning, a middle and an end. So in the beginning, we mobilized everyone and we're doing lots of content but we need to adapt as a brand and move into the middle and into the end of that don't we Massimo what do you actually see the middle looking like um, being from a country that's uh, a little bit more in the middle than others yeah I think that's after the adjusting point uh, which is probably you know my mantra for this conversation after the adjusting point where uh, you know we 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 Try to get as many content as possible out there. I think that the middle, uh, the middle um, part of this, you know, situation, and regarding Kevin Murphy TV, would be like you know to to reduce the number of the uh, episode that we do right now, and to make it like you know one of your favorite TV show on the actual old school TV, you know, not on Netflix. So your TV show that happens like you know once a week. It's like 60 minutes that you were featured on. And by the way, well, well said. <laughs> so basically, if I'm not wrong, because when I lived there in Australia, I think it was happening once a week or something. Is it 60 minutes? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. basically the middle, the middle part of this, um, of Kevin Murphy TV, I think it would be to reduce the show and to do like one or two episodes a week. Uh, like, you know, listening to all the feedbacks that we get from our listeners and try to you know just to get better and better and better in the um in how we spread the word as well so i think at the beginning we wanted to give everything so people will feel that okay kevin murphy is here is supporting us and we are very happy to do that on the long run we would like probably you know just to adjust a little bit I'm interested in uh, what you were saying before in terms of fashion weeks uh, and they're a really big part of your life. And it's one thing to say they're all cancelled and it's another thing to say that they're all going live. How do you think you can adapt and move with all of the fashion houses going forward? So basically I think that this is one of the, the, um, one of the changes that would not happen. Like what do I mean by that? There is obviously one or two fashion weeks that they have to show that this collection right now, and the only way to show it is online. I doubt mm. that moving forward, 
like a fashion house will remove like the catwalk, the buzz from the catwalk, the conversation. You need to have that interaction. You need to have that conversation. It, need, it cannot be digital. It needs to be analogic. Like, you know, I think that we going to experience a few online uh, catwalks, let's say, uh, but that would be only one episode. It will not be the, um, that will not, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but like it will not be the standard, let's say. Um, mm. So the fashion week that could not be moved in any other date, that's what's going to happen. The other one, it will still happening. We will still go back to uh, what it was, I think. I think that we need we need that we need to see that live like fashion mm. fashion weeks is um the last like you know um pass me the terms last like um pure fashion things that is happening because there is no photoshop on that on that catwalk yeah there is no photoshop it... in the conversation that you have like at the backstage so like you know that is something that it would not change in my opinion for me, this all like um, started at Milan Fashion Week. That's when we started hearing rumours about Italy, like, and and it really was from that. So I, I for one, can't wait for a return of Milan Fashion Week. Yeah, I mean that's uh, in the beginning. It was right, exactly. You were right. Like that was that was the actual beginning of everything because it was the rumours and the Fashion Week happened. Like you know, still uh, there was the the shows. Uh, it was um, the backstage area was not allowed for um, uh, for a lot of people. Basically, there was only specifically people that were working backstage. They were not like you know all the bars that there was probably um, the previous uh, season. But that was that was the beginning. That was the last show that actually happened. I think like you know I'm pretty sure that that was the last one. Uh, let me think. Oh, Copenhagen Fashion Week, straight after, because Copenhagen is one week after that. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So, Massimo, let's shift gears a bit and talk about some other things because we've got listeners from all over the world. So what? how do you think that this has actually changed you? Oh, wow. This has changed me. I think I, I don't realise yet how much this has changed me. Um, this has changed me. Uh, first of all, human relationship. So you know, you know, when you are, when you have something that you really like, but you have it every day, you kind of get used to it. I know it's a bad, mm. it's a bad, it's a bad thing to say, but you kind of adjust yourself to have that thing or person every day of well, your life. You know, Massimo. Someone said to me last week, um, the handshake. The handshake is something that we do, yeah. yeah, and we do it with strangers. But in the Middle Ages, you didn't shake hands with someone unless you actually trusted them. There you go. So trust was actually meant to be conveyed by touch. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I uh, I actually like this um, this analogy that you that you bring up. I think that um, what has changed me is really that is really like not taking for granted to see you, for example, like, you know, and physically spend some time with you, like not be filtered by a screen. So mm. it actually changed me because I'm more and more conscious about the power of the instrument, internet and, you know, the web and the digital era. But at the same time, I am very afraid of that because I don't want to end up that like ending up that this one is it will be my life from now on 
So I think that has changed mm. me in the way that I'm going to appreciate much more the little things, much more like, you know, a class with 12 people. Like, you know, it's not, like, you know, 12 people. Right now, I haven't seen one person in 62 days, apart <laughs> from my family. So, you know, that, that I'd be all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so that has changed me on that, has really changed me on that, has changed me on the fact that I need to prioritize more. Uh, I need to really um, plan, like, you know, in a different way, uh, everything mm. from like, you know, even doing grocery shopping. I know that this sounds mm. silly, but like, you know, as we have to coexist with the virus this time and maybe in the future, uh, like, you know, I'm not going to go in the supermarket like I was doing it before every single day. And that will not only, uh, you know, make me a, bled, a better person to plan my week, but it will make me you know, a better person because I'm driving my car one time less. I'm like, you know, uh, polluting less. Um, mm. Thinking about to, do I really need to go to that place right now? Maybe not. Mm. Like, you know, is it better mm. to go outside? So it has changed me in the fact that I took for granted to play beach volleyball because when I'm not doing here and when I'm not staying with my family, the, the only thing that I'm doing is playing beach volleyball. So I'm always in the sand playing with my friends. And I cannot mm. do that. And I didn't realize how important it was to have that freedom to take my mm. bike and to go and play beach volleyball. So that is another thing that has changed me. And professionally, mm. uh, professionally has changed me in, I really shifted my view in the way that, you know, as you said before, I'm doing, uh, I'm very lucky that I, you know, uh, I'm doing a lot of fashion shows. And at some point, I think that my head well, my brain was shifting into fashion week mood all the time. So when I was sharing looks, when I was thinking about looks, when I was thinking about like, you know, uh, what to teach, basically, I was very much engaged into the fashion world. Right now, when I'm creating the content for Kevin Murphy, for Kevin Murphy Italy and Love Kevin Murphy, I'm very conscious of the fact I need to be more salon friendly. I need to be more like, you know, time effective. I don't have a team of like 15 people working, you know, backstage in, in the salon. So basically that is another thing that has changed me during this quarantine to be more, yeah. you know, conscious about what, what I say, what I show and, you know, and how important is my smile? Like, you know, I'm, I think that I'm a positive person. I'm kind of smile all the time, but I will smile even more because that is, mm. that is a good cure for, for this moment. I want to pick up on two things that you actually spoke about there. Um, and the first one is actually social media. So social media was seen as a time wasted before this. And now people actually say it's all about connections. And what is it? And, and also, where are the influences on Instagram now? So I think that you got, again, another spot on point. In the beginning, uh, I think the social media was like for um, people that wanted to be narcissists, they wanted to show themselves and like, you know, it was not that important. It was like, yeah, probably see in a wrong way. Now it is what, what is actually make us going through this time. Um, I think that even that though has changed dramatically. Even that has changed dramatically uh, because... Uh, let me let me try to find a, a very good example. Um, that has changed dramatically. Oh my God, it's really hard to take out my my thoughts from my head now. Um, 
but we, we all really understood the power of this element and the power of the fact that when you say something on the, on the media, on the social media, is actually staying there. So, you, you know, you went from the naive perception of, you know, I just post a photo online or I just show my uh, other people what I, you know, what I've been doing to the, to the point now that you really realize that whatever is, you say, it stays there potentially forever. So you need, we need to really uh, adjust on, on how we were thinking about social media and how important it is. Because like this is mm. one, one of the things that you cannot fight against. Either you adjust or you kind of are going to be left behind. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, an influencer. I don't have like, you know, a huge following, but I'm very happy about my social media because the one that I have, the people that follows me, they're really interacting with me and I'm, I'm going to share. But that's the point, that isn't it, Massimo? That I was not doing before. I'm actually, um, I'm actually taking screenshots on all the lovely messages that I received in the last like five weeks. So just to, just to show to myself as well, like, oh, look how many, how many people I've been touching and like how many people I made, like, you know, I made happy how many people I helped, you know, when they're going to reopen the salon, I was able to tell them like, you know, a hairstyle that maybe they can use in the salon. So that is something yeah. that I've been doing. I'm very conscious about how, how powerful it is and how hard mm. it is as well. Because like, you know, the mm. algorithm has changed uh, and like, you know, it's very, very hard nowadays to do social media. So you really need to do it properly. But it's ironic that in this time we've all gone back to Facebook a little bit, isn't it? Do you find that funny? I am, yes, again, another spot on. I'm very, very bad because I should be more and more involved into Facebook. And I'm still like, you know, my first thought is Instagram all the time. I'm very, like, you know, stuck in there. But there was a time when I was only stuck on Facebook and I didn't understand Instagram. So I think that we are slowly, slowly going back on Facebook. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, we, we, we are going to coexist between Facebook and Instagram. Then there is TikTok that is really taking, uh, taking ground, but it is for. Well, I can't wait to see you do the weekends dance routine. <laughs> no, but like, you know, TikTok is, uh, yeah, it's, it's for a very, very, um, young audience. So it would not probably be really good for, uh, for ourselves, I think. So let's um, pick up on that young audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials, uh, Kevin said in a previous podcast, are probably some of the best uh, able to survive this pandemic and thrive after this pandemic because they don't have a lot of debt. They actually can be adaptable. And so what would you say to your daughter? Well, I would say to my daughter, like, you know, to keep, to keep your eyes open. That's what I would say to her because, like, um, I think that I've read somewhere that 60% of the future jobs, so for future generation jobs, they are not existing at the moment. So they are all jobs that they're going to be created. Like, you know, social media manager, like, you know, it was a job that 10 years ago didn't exist and now it's existing. Mm. So to my daughter... And now it won't exist again soon. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Like, you know, a a lot of job, like... I'm not physically existing right now. So to my daughter, I would just say to keep, to keep her eye open and, of course, to, to be um, conscious of the fact that digital is very important and you should not mm. like, underestimate that. 
people from our generation, which we are not really millennial, even if we feel millennial, um, <laughs> uh, basically, we still underestimate the power of social media. Social media is what it was the ads in the 90s. So if you wanted to put a message out there, this is the right channel. And most likely a millennial, that is your, that is your mm. guy, that is your person. I'm going to I'm going to correct you there because I actually appreciate the value of social media now after this pandemic. Before that, I was a bit confused by it, but now I see it as a tool for collection, connection and and for people to collect uh, under you know like look at what's happening on Love Kevin Murphy or yeah. look at I, I see it in a different way now. But I take your point. That's really interesting. It is like you know it, it is in a very different way that we look at the social media. But I think that we, like as our close circle of friends, we we never been um, okay. This is a really tricky territory, and I hope I, you know nobody get offended or anything. But like you know, we've never been uh, like you know person that will show off ourselves on the on the social media. We were not like you know just um, showing um, let's say trivial stuff. We always like you know show stuff like. That, that was um well you used other apps for that no <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably more secret apps but like you know on our social media we always show something related to our job like we wanted to really share yeah. our experiences our time together our you know the, the, the opportunity that we get to work on shows or like you know show whatever we were doing on work related so we've never been i see what you're saying you're saying we're actually sharing the secrets of our trade <laughs> yeah i mean that that that's what we that's basically what i was saying we were not taking photos of ourselves in a you know in a short on the beach all the time like you know do you, do you understand what i mean we were not just showing off we were not narcissists mm. to show off that so we always been that person and now we actually even more conscious than how important it is to share mm. you know what we are doing in the right way and like, you know, just, yeah, just building our following from that. But, but Massimo, I think it's interesting and I'm going to stay on this now because I, I spoke to a client of mine today who comes into my salon and she said to me, oh my God, I've been loving all of the KMTV stuff. I saw Kevin do one and he was so human and he was so real and he lived in a lounge room and he, made mistakes and he was like going oh it's about this and about that that's actually what's happened that's what's come out of this now isn't it i love the fact and you know what i i that's um that was in the beginning when we were thinking about how to start to do the podcast as you mentioned before that you know unluckily i was the first one uh, that you know doing this live uh, because of the situation that was in italy so we were thinking how do, are we going to do this? Because normally when we do, when we try to do social media or like, you know, anything within Kevin Murphy, we, our standard is like really high because we are very professional. We want it to be perfect. Yes. Yeah. So like, you know, a nice background, a nice backdrop, a nice, like, you know, display mm. with product and everything. But we were thinking as well, you know what? I think that maybe people will appreciate to see when I'm actually creating my looks. Or oh, people would, would like to see like, you know, what is hanging on my walls, you know, in my house. So basically, I think that the human aspect of the social media is something that I've learned as well. Meaning that- Well, the listener will um, like to know that actually what's hanging on Massimo's wall, 
is a certificate of Australian citizenship, (laughs) a bag which says Kevin Murphy bang bang, (laughs) some sort of a teddy bear, and a picture of either Massimo kissing Barbara or Azura. I can't quite work that out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do you know that that is a certificate for Australian citizenship? Oh, because I know what an emu and a kangaroo look like. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good eye, yeah, spot on. So yeah, basically, I think that this is this is what is um, another thing that we learn. We from our generation, we learn that that that's why young millennials they are so effective on the social media because they are like true genuine. They just you know mm. became famous. Justin Bieber became famous yeah. singing and dancing in his bedroom. So there was nothing staged. It was like, you know, so for me as well, that I know that, that I'm lucky that I know Kevin to see him doing his life on his living room. That's that's priceless. To me, that's priceless. It's perfect. And, you know, I, I think, you know, being so high up in education at Kevin Murphy, that for a long time, we didn't necessarily adopt a lot of digital stuff because we wanted to get it right. But the biggest thing we've learned is just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's absolutely correct to not being perfect. Uh, I would take a Pascal here that said perfection skills, and like you know, he's human to you know potentially make a mistake. He's human mm. to redo something twice if it doesn't get correct. Is mm. is correct not to have a script like you know just to be you know like this like we are doing right now like having a conversation mm. and then like you know just be natural. I think that we yeah. live in a world that is already too staged, and I wanted to connect as well back to the uh, to all the people that I see online. Not all the people, but I see a lot of people online that basically they are just focusing on how they look. They focus in their following by how they look, and I, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that basically, I think that we are not that person. We are just wanted to show that we human, that we do make mistakes, and hopefully we learn from that. And like you know, we. I think that um, we are learning more than what we realize out of this situation. Mm, I think so. That's a very good point. And finally, Massimo, um, you are the king of fashion, particularly in Europe, all the fashion weeks. I'm going to ask you a very difficult question here. How do you think fashion is going to change for the client post-COVID-19? What do you think? What do you see happening? Well, in terms of the actual fashion, first of all, thank you so much for the compliment. I don't feel that I'm the king of Fashion Week, but you know, I feel very lucky that I'm involved in a lot of shows. And Kevin Murphy was the, you know, uh, gave me the opportunity to do that and to grow into that area because I expressed my will to be involved in the Fashion Weeks. So thank you, thank you, Kevin Murphy, for all the support. And then um, how I see this changing? Well, for sure, you're going to see masks on the catwalk. That's for sure. You're going to see masks. You're going to see, like, gloves. So that is <laughs> going to be part of, yeah, I promise you that, you know, that is already happening. So that, that is obviously one of the first changes that you're going to see. Uh, but, like, in terms But what about of, hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I know. So hairstyles, even hairstyles, I think that, at some level, we have to adjust to, uh, to what is happening. We know that everything that is floating around, everything that is flying around is potentially picking up something. So probably the hairstyle would be more condensed in the beginning. It would be more like, you know, 
close to the scalp, it will be more wet look. It will have like, you know, I don't know, probably we're going to discover the session spray, for example, is going to keep the virus away for some reason. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that this is happening, but like maybe that, that will happen. So I think one of those changes will be, um, we see like probably a little shift on the hair. The hair have to adjust with the mask and with whatever, you know, uh, whatever stuff we have to put on ourselves. So even the hairstyle, I have to be conscious about how mm. we're going to wear the mask and the gloves and the, sorry, and the sunglasses on top of the mask. And maybe they're gonna be, there's going to be a visor, you know, because even the virus can get through your eyes as well. So maybe you're going to see visor. So st- even more stuff that is happening on the head. So the hairstyle had to adjust. So more like, you know, scalp, uh, scalp. Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're making it sound quite post-apocalyptic here. Now, so what about people you, you're saying, and I mean, a lot of this conversation was actually about people getting to know themselves in lockdown and change. And you said in the beginning that change was inevitable. People are going to want to reflect that and how they look, aren't they? Uh, well, yes, yes, definitely. I think that the first, the first um, feeling, the first uh, sentiment—I don't know if that translates in English—that people would like to share is happiness and joy of freedom. Mm. So that the, the freedom will be the first thing that people would like to express, and like you know. When I think about hair, how do you express freedom? Freedom like, you know, curly hair, natural hair, like a Kevin kind of hair, like, you know, beach texture, uh, Australian, uh, like, so very free, very like, um, you know, fun, fun hair. So that's, I think that that's Mm. how people will reflect people like, you know, um, normal people, not Hollywood people, normal people like us, (laughs) you know, me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, Massimo Morello, thank you for being on Conversations with Kevin. That was absolutely an amazing chat from the coalface of Italy. And I think that our listeners will greatly appreciate all of the insight you have into what's been happening to you and where you think things are going. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nathan. Thank you for hosting this. It's actually quite nice to have spent this, uh, I don't even know how long, like hour with you. And most of it, thank you for all the listeners that not only are listening to these and the other podcasts, but they are constantly supporting us and like, you know, just sharing uh, their happiness on everything that we do. So like, you know, the big thanks goes to everybody that is, uh, you know, supporting us these days. So thank you so much. Thank you. Again, that was Conversations with Kevin with Massimo Morello, Session Master in Europe. Thank you. 